Well, good morning, folks, and uh, what a joy it is to bring you God's Word this morning. Uh, in April this year, uh, I spoke on the Lamb through Scripture, and uh, I just touched on this chapter, chapter 22 in Genesis, and today I would like to expound it more fully, and hopefully we will see several types uh, contained within it. We will see types of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Israel, the death of Christ, the Bride, the Church, the Rapture, and other lessons. And we'll see that between chapter 22 and chapter 24 of Genesis. But let's ask God's blessing on his word as we look to him in prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again we give thee thanks for this Lord's Day. We thank you for the blessing of coming to thy house to have fellowship one with another and to worship thee. Father, I do pray that our worship may come up before thee and be a sweet-smelling savour unto thee. And Father, should it be that there is one or more in our midst that does not know Jesus Christ as Saviour, that they might see the love of God uh, come forth today, that they might repent of their sin and acknowledge Christ as Saviour. Father, we do pray for the saints here today that each and every one of us might be built up in our most holy faith. And as we leave this place, may we be able to say it was good for us to be here, for here we met with the Lord and was blessed. Father, take your servant, hide him behind the cross, let no man be seen, save Jesus only. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honour and the glory in our Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. Don't need to turn there, but in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 24 and verse 27, it says this, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What a day that would have been. To be walking with the Lord and to hear him expound all the prophets and all the scriptures. You know, all means all, and that's all all means. He was in the word of God explaining things, but it was concerning himself. Now, he did not appear until the New Testament, but he is in the Old Testament. He's there in types. Now, type is a person, place, or thing which represents another. Sometimes it's a picture of the true. Sometimes it can be more obscure, and we call these shadows of the real thing. But you know something about a shadow? If you follow the shadow back to the source, you will come to the real thing. And so we're going to look at some types and pictures and shadows today. In Genesis 22, if you turn there please, right away in verse 1, we are introduced to both God and Abraham. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, folks, before we go any further, let me point out one thing. Verse 1 says that God did tempt 
Abraham. Now that word tent would be better understood as test. You see, the devil tempts us to bring out the worst in us. But God tests us to bring out the best. James 1.13 says this, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God was not tempting Abraham, he was testing Abraham. Abraham was being tested by God. And from verse 2 we read the details of this testing. Troy read most of that out this morning. But take note of the short statement in verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thy lovest. Now what's so interesting about that statement? Well, it's the first mention of love in our Bible. Hard to believe. But it's the first mention of love in our Bible. And it's the love of the father for the son. Now when one considers that 2,000 years according to Bishop Usher, who was an authority with Bible dates, 2,000 years had passed up to the time of Abraham. To be exact, it was 1,996. But approximately 2,000 years had passed from Adam to Abraham. And it's amazing that this is the first mention of love in our Bible. When one considers Adam and Eve, and Noah and his wife, and his three sons, and their wives, and Cain, and Abel, and Seth, and all the generations in between, and the length of time people lived, not once, not once is it recorded that the word love, loved, or lovest, was used. This is the first instance of the word love. In Genesis 22, verse 2, we read that word lovest. And it's the love of the father for his son. And in this we see that Abraham is a great type of God the Father. We read John 17, 24, and it says this, For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. And then in John 17, verse 24 to 26, it mentions God the Father loved the Son. And folks, when we, that is you and I, study any subject in the scriptures, it's always good to go back to first mention. And what a wonderful picture is painted for us in Genesis 22 to 24. Starts off with the love of the father for his son, and in chapter 24, it finishes with the love of the son for his bride. We'll look at that in just a few moments. And that's the second mention of love. Today we only have time to look at a few selected verses from these chapters. But hopefully we will see the whole picture. It's a beautiful picture of love. The love of the Father, the love of the Son, which are types of the love of God and His Son, Jesus. And the love of the Son, our Lord Jesus, and His bride, the church. And folks, there's no greater love in heaven or in earth than the love of God for his son. 
and our Savior's love for us. John 17 again. For thy lovest me, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them. In verse 23 of that chapter it says, And that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So God is love. Now there's no doubt that the scripture we're looking at in Genesis 22 to 24 speaks of another time, which was 1,870 years into the future, or around about 2,000 years from Abraham's birth. And uh, you can read about Abraham's birth, you can read about his death in Genesis 25:7. He lived to 175 years of age. So we're looking forward to a time when another son, in obedience to his father, would lay down his life in sacrifice. Now in Genesis 22, verse 2, the Lord God asked Abraham, the father, to take his only son, whom he loved, and go to a far-off place and offer him as a burnt offering upon the mount. Does that sound very familiar? The father sends the son to a far-off place to become a sacrifice. And right away, I think, hopefully, we see the picture developing. It's a picture of love and complete obedience. How would Abraham feel? His son, his only son, whom he loved. And God says, take him. Offer him up as a sacrifice, a burnt offering. Father, take your son, whom thou lovest, and sacrifice him on the mount. Folks, how would you feel? How would you respond? Abraham, of course, is a wonderful type of God the Father. And this is a, a great test of his love and his obedience for God. Isaac, Abraham's son, is a wonderful type of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for a time, Abraham and his son Isaac walked together, just as God the Father and his son walked together in eternity past. Abraham and his son Isaac had to come from afar. And Isaac was in complete obedience to his father's will. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, I come to do thy will, O God. In verses 3 to 7, the father and the son walk together. Abraham, a type of God, took the fire. Of course, and he laid the wood on Isaac, his son. And folks, our God is a consuming fire. And our Lord Jesus Christ carried the wood, the wooden cross, to be sacrificed on. Then back in Genesis 22 and verse 7, the question is asked. And what a great question it is. And notice the wonderful respect they had for each other. 
Verse 7 it says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father. Now his father was getting a little bit old at this time. And maybe like a lot of young children here, you think your father's getting old and maybe very forgetful. And Isaac said to his father in verse 7, He said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Have you forgotten it? There's no lamb. How can we have an offering? My father. Wonderful words. They had respect for one another. Isaac says, my father. Now, I just want to point this out. Nowhere in scripture are we ever taught or told to call God my father. This was something given to Christ, the son alone. When the disciples asked the Lord how they ought to pray, they were taught to say, our father, which art in heaven. It's a collective term given to the believers. And so when we come into God's presence, we say, our father, which art in heaven. Verse 7, here am I, my son. Then comes the great question, where is the lamb? And folks, the great question was wonderfully answered in verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. No argument. No disbelieving. They went, both of them together. And folks, when we get to verse 9, the father places the son on the altar. And there's no doubt that this is a wonderful picture of Calvary, a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ on the altar of sacrifice, that old wooden cross. And just like every other type in the Old Testament, it comes short of the antitype, of the real thing, if you like, which in this case was the crucifixion. But folks, Abraham passed the test. Why did he pass the test? Because of his obedience. He had great faith in God. Hebrews eleven seventeen says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting or believing that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham was willing to put Isaac to death because he believed God that much, because God had given promises, God had made a covenant with him, and he believed that God could raise Isaac up from the dead. The Lord was well pleased with Abraham's obedience and his fear of God. So God provided a substitute. Look at verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. A ram caught in a thicket. Now, folks, a thicket 
was a thorny bush. And the ram was caught by his horns, his head, in the bush. Here, folks, <clears throat> is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ with the crown of thorns just before his sacrifice. This ram was going to be sacrificed, but his head was caught in thorny bush. Just a picture of our Savior with the crown of thorns. You know, thorns came as a result of sin. Genesis 3.18, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And in wearing the crown of thorns, our Lord was identifying himself with the curse. The curse of sin. The fall in the garden. But the crown of thorns was placed on his brow, which pierced his skin. And his blood covered, as it were, the effect of the curse. And his sin was dealt with. Now from verse 14 to verse 18 in Genesis 22, we read about the covenant and the blessings given to Abraham. God promised to bless his seed. Isaac, Jacob, his twelve sons, the twelve tribes of Israel, and so on. But look at verse 19. Genesis 22 and verse 19. And God opened, sorry, verse 19, chapter 22 and verse 19. Pages are sticking together. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Let me read the first few words of that again. So Abraham returned unto his young men. Very interesting. <clears throat> we only see Abraham mentioned. We only see Abraham coming back down the mountain. There's no mention of Isaac. Only Abraham is mentioned. Again, folks, this is a beautiful type, or picture, if you like, of the crucifixion. After Isaac, the son, is given as a sacrifice, he is not seen again for some considerable time. He is spoken of in lovable terms, which we shall see. He is mentioned, but he himself is not seen again until the end of chapter 24, which we will look at in just a moment or two. Now, just like our Lord Jesus Christ, who was crucified, dead, and was buried, rose again, and ascended into heaven, he also will not be seen until some considerable time after his death. And of course, that will be at his coming for the church in the rapture. But in the meantime, he has spoken of in loving terms. So hopefully you see that picture. Isaac is not seen coming down the mountain. In type, he is sacrificed 
on the altar of sacrifice. And he's not seen again until the end of chapter 24, which we will deal with in a few moments. Likewise, our Lord, when he was crucified and after he ascended, will not be seen again until he comes for his bride, which will be soon. Amen? Amen. Chapter 23, we not go into, but chapter 23 deals with the death of Sarah. It was a time of mourning for Abraham, and he purchased the field for her burial. She died. She passed away. She was cut off, as it were. Now, Sarah died at 127 years of age, chapter 23 and verse 1. Abraham would have been 137 because there were 10 years between them. Isaac at this time would have been 37 years of age at the time of his mother's death. Then Abraham died at 175. That's just a few facts along the way. Now, Sarah is a type of Israel, who after the death of her son in type was cut off. Just like after the death of Christ, Israel was cut off. They rejected the Savior. They, they didn't want anything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. They rejected him as king. And then he turned to the Gentiles as it were, and Israel was cut off. So as such, Sarah is a type of Israel who, after the death of Isaac, in type, was cut off. Just like we read in the book of Romans, where Israel is cut off after the death of Christ. Read Romans 11, 20 to 25. In fact, read Romans 11, 11, 12, 13. In fact, read the whole book of Romans. Do you good, okay? After all, uh, they did reject Christ and they crucified him and they were cut off. Then in chapter 24, in verse 1, it opens up with the father, the ancient of days. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So we see the father spoken of as old, ancient, uh, well stricken in years, as it were. And in verse 2, he calls his eldest servant, his most reliable servant. And he sent him to seek and to procure a bride for his son. Remember, the son is still not seen, but he is spoken of by the father, the father that loved him so much. And the request was given in detail to the trusted servant. Now remember the father Abraham, a type of God the Father. The trusted servant is a type of the Holy Ghost, type of the Holy Spirit. The one who is sent to procure and to work with the bride so that he might bring the bride to completion as it were and present her to the son. He is sent to procure a wife for the father's son, for the son of the father. All this happened after the death of Sarah, which speaks of the cutting off of Israel. And the bride that Abraham wanted for his son was to be a Gentile bride. This was instructions. 
way back there 2,000 years before Christ. Go out and seek a Gentile bride for my son. My son whom I love. My son who in type died on the mountaintop. Go and seek a bride. And most of chapter 24 is taken up with the journey of the servant. Please read it when you get home. Taken up with the journey of the servant, his prayer for guidance, and he relates how Rebecca fulfilled all these requirements of the father. And he stays a short time with her and he ministers unto her. This all speaks or is a picture of the church age. The Holy Spirit came down to this world in the believer. And he ministers to the believer in the church age. The church. It's a day of grace. Isaac is spoken of in loving terms by the servant. A type of the Holy Spirit. Just in the same way today, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth and speaks in loving terms of the Son. So Isaac is not yet seen, but he's spoken of. The servant, a type of the Holy Spirit, works with Rebekah, the bride, a type of the church. Today the Holy Spirit is in working within the church. Testifying of Christ, speaking of his master, glorifying Christ, our Lord. Then in chapter 24 and verse 53, we see how the servant ministers unto the bride. Now please take note of the order. Chapter 24 and verse 53. And the servant brought forth jewels. Remember the servant is a type of the Holy Spirit. And he brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and give them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. Very strange way this list is put together. Normally, you and I would say gold first because it was the most expensive but here, the servant gave to Rebecca jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. What does it mean? Well, jewels of silver stands for atonement. Silver in Scripture speaks of atonement. Gold in Scripture speaks of deity. The raiment is a covering speaks of the imputed righteousness of Christ. In this church age, while the Holy Spirit is here, even the world benefits. And he gave also to her brother and her mother precious things. Whenever the Holy Spirit is taken out in the believer at the rapture, then there will be chaos in this world. But that's another story. Silver under conviction of the Holy Spirit, we get saved. We stand on the atonement. 
We stand on what Christ has done for us. We get saved. Gold, we become part of God's family, sons of God and joint heirs with Christ. Speaking of deity, Raymond, God no longer sees us in ourselves or in our sin, but he sees us in Christ, the imputed righteousness of Christ covered with his righteousness. Just like the refiner in Malachi, when he boiled up and burnt, as it were, those coals and woods underneath the pot where the gold was, he would then get the dross and scoop it away from the top. And when he looked down, he would see a reflection of himself. And so God is looking down, and he no longer sees us in our sin. He no longer sees us who we were, but he sees us in Christ. He sees a reflection, as it were, of himself. We read of the process which takes place from verses 54 to verse 61. The bride heads off on a long journey to see her bridegroom. And the servant, a type of the spirit, takes the bride, whom is a type of the church. And the spirit, the eldest servant, goes back to see Isaac the son, who's a type of Christ. And here what we're going to see is a wonderful picture of the rapture. There are those churches around that don't believe in the rapture. But I believe that here is a perfect picture, Christ coming for his bride. Verse 61 says this, And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. That is the elder servant, a type of the Holy Spirit. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. So this is a picture of the Holy Spirit and the church going on a journey. Verse 61 tells us that the bride arose. And they followed the man, the trusted servant of the father. So the servant, a type of the Holy Spirit, takes Rebekah, a type of the church, and they go on this long journey. And at the same time, we now see Isaac for the first time. Isaac, a type of Christ. Look at verse 61 and 62. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels, and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well, Lehoror, uh, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the fields at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. Verse 63 tells us, at eventide, or at the end of the day, Isaac a type of Christ lifted up his eyes and saw and behold. Rebecca, a type of the church, likewise in verse 64, she lifted up. And Rebecca lifted up her eyes. They had eyes for each other. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel, for she had said unto the servant... What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil 
and covered herself. She lifted up her eyes. She saw Isaac, the servant, who is a type of the Holy Spirit, had already told Rebekah that this was his master, the son of the father. And they both on their way to meet each other. <laughs> what, a, what a beautiful picture of the rapture. And in verse 65, Rebekah, a type of the church, takes a veil and covers herself. Why? So that she might present herself as a pure, chaste bride to the son of the father, the bridegroom. And in verse 66, the servant gave a report in relation to the bride, says he told all. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And so the servant brings the son up to date. This is the bride. This is the one that the father sent me to procure for you. This is a gentle bride that I have brought back for you. The bride to be presented to the son. And verse 67, it says this. And Isaac brought her into her mother Sarah's tent, into his mother's Sarah's tent, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Isaac took her home. She became his wife, and he loved her. The second mention of love in the scriptures. From Adam to Abraham, there's approximately 2,000 years. Love pictured. From Abraham to Christ, there's about 2,000 years. Love personified. From the crucifixion until Christ's return, again, approximately 2,000 years we will see love in perpetuity. Permanent love. Unending love. It all started with the Father's love for His Son. First mentioned in Scripture. It finished with the Son's love for His Bride. Second mentioned in Scripture. It's all fulfilled in Christ. There's no greater love and the love of Christ for his people. God loves you here this morning. Christ died for you here this morning. I hope and pray that you might have accepted the offer of his love by accepting Christ as your Savior. There is no greater love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What a Savior we have. What a book we have. Where 4,000 years ago, we see the picture of God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Bride, 
the coming of Christ in the rapture. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again, we do give thee thanks for this day. We pray, Lord, that each and every one of us may have been built up in our most holy faith. We pray, Father, that we might be more resolute, as it were, because we have read these scriptures to live for thee. I pray, Father, that as the rapture will soon happen, that each and every one of us might be prepared. And should there be one in our midst that does not know Christ as Savior, may it be that even today they might wait behind, they would seek someone out, that they would talk about the things of God, and that they might get saved. So, our Father, we do commit this to thee, asking that you will bless and undertake in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen.